0: Good morning, Moneyliners community, coming to you from the Buckeye State in Ohio. This is Chris Nichols, CEO of Moneyliners, kicking off our very first podcast from the state of Ohio. If For those of you that have been with us since 2019, if you remember back then, we had a series of podcasts that we released every week talking about the prior week's action records and sports topics. And then COVID happened, uh, shut down our entire globe and also obviously our sports world. So here we are, kicking back off our podcasts in the fall of 2022 with podcast number one, reviewing last week's record, and also talking about all of the exciting action and controversial topics in the sports world that took place over the past few days. So let's talk about our record first. We finished the week at 56.41%. 22 wins, 17 losses, and one tie. First four days of the week, got off to a hot start at 12-4 and four with a 75% winning percentage. And then we stumbled a little bit, closing out the week, finishing the last two days at 9-9. Nine and nine. Football was on course, still standing above 60%. However, we struggled a little bit with the NBA and NCAA basketball seasons kicking off. Early season's always tough. I typically lean toward the underdogs because you don't, you don't quite know who the strong teams are going to be until they start showing it on the court. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting back on track heading into tonight's action, uh, kicking off that big, that big rivalry between Philadelphia and Washington for the NFC East. You know that has been a historic rivalry in the NFL for many, many years. This year, uh, Philadelphia's off to a great start, undefeated, and. Washington, not so much. Coach Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. Uh, He would love nothing more than to knock Philadelphia from the unbeaten. And I think he has a chance. Uh, He has a chance because I believe that Philadelphia is looking ahead. They probably already have this chalked up as an easy victory. And you know what happens when coaches and players assume that that victory is in the books already. Uh, If they can get the ball to McLaren and Samuel and get some productivity out of the running game, while kind of shutting down that receiving core for the Eagles and limiting Hertz uh, with his legs, I think they cover the 11 uh, period, and I think that they could sneak out uh, with a very surprising victory. So there's you, a free pick on our first podcast for Monday night, Washington Commanders plus 11. We didn't have any bad beats last week. I think when you pick when you pick games, uh, it's the most frustrating thing is when you have the game one and last second touchdown or last second, three-pointer, uh, you know, heave, those things frustrate you. We didn't have that for this entire week, which is unusual. So uh, we'll move into the action that took place this weekend, uh, a couple topics I want to discuss. First of all, I'm going to send Justin Jefferson in New Jersey, and on the back of it, his new name is going to be I Am, I space Am. And that will stand for, I am the best wide receiver in the NFL, period. If I were a new franchise owner in the NFL, or I was starting over my fantasy football draft for this year, I would pick number 18 as my first receiver. He is the best. And yesterday, he showcased his talents. This isn't Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen throwing him the ball. This is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has always been a solid quarterback, but never great. And Justin Jefferson is making him look like Joe Montana. He single-handedly won that game yesterday for the Vikings with what I would consider one of the top three catches of all time in the NFL. If you remember a few years ago when OBJ made that one-handed catch in the back of the end zone, that highlight reel was played a million times. Justin Jefferson made a one-hand catch leaping four feet in the air in between the hands of an intercepting defender pulling that ball out of his hands almost at the ground onto his chest for a completion that kept that drive alive and eventually led to the Minnesota victory. He's the best. I cannot imagine having to face LSU in college a few years ago when Joe Burrow was throwing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. That's a scary thought. I think at the end of the day, Those two are two of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, period. They might be two of the top five. Uh, So congratulations, JJ, for one hell of a game. And you will be getting that jersey in the mail with I am on the back of it. In that game, I want to give you my first come on, man, of the new podcast series. How do you not review the controversial call of a reception by Gabe Davis on the sidelines of the nose of the football, bouncing off of the turf and into his arms. I have seen so many times in the NFL where they are replaying meaningless calls that are clear, that really don't have any outcome uh, pending on that call being right or wrong. That was a huge call that set up the game-tying field goal by the Bills in regulation, and yet it was not reviewed. That is a, come on, man. For the referees in that game had the bills gone on to win that game there would be a major major issue in roger goodell's office with that lack of replay it's interesting because the head of officials said today uh that that call was obviously a mistake should have been reviewed but it would have been a lot more serious had the outcome not been a victory for the vikings replay any call Potential call that could have a direct impact on a game with that kind of stakes on the line. So that was a bad one, and they messed that one up. You know, one of the things that I remember growing up, I grew up in the Brett Favre, John Elway, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Boomer Esiason, and Phil Sims. Those were some of the names. Dan Marino, of course. Those are some of the quarterbacks that I grew up on. And I remember back then as a kid that. There were these up and comers coming onto the scene. You had Aaron Rodgers drafted out of Cal to eventually be the successor to Brett Favre. You had a six round draft pick out of Michigan that no one knew about filling water bottles up in New England for Drew Bledsoe. That kid filling up those water bottles would eventually become the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and currently he holds seven rings. His name's Tom Brady. Recently, Tom's been going through some personal issues, uh, announcing his divorce from his longtime wife, uh, and his head's really not been on the field. You, could, you can tell that. You could tell that for the first few games of the season, his frustration was maybe higher than I've ever seen it before. And the, uh, last week when he was playing the Rams, and they were coming down for that last minute, uh, last chance to win the game against a really good defense. And Tom threw the winning touchdown to Kate Otten to uh, win that game uh, when they really probably shouldn't have. I said, "Uh uh-oh, a sleeping giant has been woken. And I felt coming into this week's action against the Seattle Seahawks, who I still don't believe in. I just don't believe Geno Smith can be mentioned in the same category as Tom Brady because he's Geno Smith. But he is playing great. And I thought Tom's going to continue the momentum from that rams victory and he's going to cover that two and a half easily in germany he gave the fans in germany a game to remember seven time super bowl winning quarterback playing their first nfl game in germany and really the score wasn't as close uh as it was in the end uh tampa bay owned that game from the very beginning and tom gets his victory bringing the team to 500 heading into the bye week and the other old guy up in green bay I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. I have never been an Aaron Rodgers fan. And it isn't because he's not a prolific passer and is an incredible uh, quarterback genius that can throw at any angle that Patrick Mahomes can throw in. Um, Aaron Rodgers is very talented. But what I don't like about Aaron Rodgers is his attitude. I also don't like the fact that he doesn't appear to have uh, an engaging, enthusiastic passion for his teammates and winning like Tom Brady does, like Josh Allen does, like Patrick Mahomes does. He's just out there almost like it's extremely painful for him to be surrounded by the teammates that he's surrounded by. I've always pulled for him to be uh, successful, and I really felt that it was disrespectful for the Cowboys to be coming into Lambeau Field as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Cowboys' defense is incredible. I would say top three in the NFL. Forget the statistics, but just looking at them and watching them and their speed and coming off the end and Demarcus Lawrence and his teammates, they're a tough defense. But I've always said that Dak Prescott's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott, who did not get to play yesterday, is slow. Uh, And Troy Pollard uh, is not a tier one running back. They came in as a four and a half point favorite in Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field. And I felt that if someone could help Aaron Rodgers, anybody, you know, all points bullet into somebody that can catch the damn ball, um, that Aaron had a chance. Well, that guy is Christian Watson. Christian Watson is uber talented, he just hasn't gotten the opportunity to star. He's had some early drops in the season. He had two big drops at the beginning of this game against Dallas. And then finally, on a 58-yard dime that Rodgers delivered to Watson in stride, Watson struck, and the game was his from that point forward. Four receptions, three of the four over 30 yards, three touchdowns. Christian Watson and Aaron Jones won the game for old man Rodgers. Could that be the spark that Aaron Rodgers needs to have a more focused energy as Green Bay moves forward for the rest of their season? Let's talk about Watson for a second. In Daily Fantasy, he was a $3,700 price tag. Sammy Watkins was a $4,100 price tag. I hope that you understood the talent difference between Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins should already be selling used cars. Christian Watson is an uber talent that's going to be now starting every game for Green Bay moving forward, opposite of Alan Lazard. I had him starting in every lineup yesterday in Daily Fantasy Sports. He will no longer be $3,700. I also cannot imagine Lazard, Watson, and Adams, Devontae Adams, if he were still in a Green Bay uniform, what that kind of receiving core would look like for Rodgers. But he's in, he's in Las Vegas, and we'll talk about that later. So congratulations, Aaron, and congratulations, Tom. You're not dead yet. They cannot write you off officially. We'll move on to um, another come on man that I want to talk a little bit about and uh, uh, in the college ranks. I want to talk about the University of Kentucky losing to Vanderbilt for the first time... Vanderbilt's first victory in the SEC since 2019. Vanderbilt has been one of the worst college football teams over the last few years and the cellar dweller of the SEC. Yet somehow, they defeated Mark Stoops and his Kentucky Wildcats. Now, if you recall in the offseason, John Calipari's famous words that upset Mark Stoops, We are a basketball university. Mark Stoops took offense to that. And Mark went on some sort of, uh, you know, passive aggressive march to John Calipari's tune and let him know that, hey, we have a football program here too. I think after yesterday's loss to Vanderbilt, Mark Stoops in his athletic building down there on the Lexington campus should walk down to Calipari's office and say, "Hey, hey, coach, You're right. We are a basketball school because I just lost to Vanderbilt. You see, Mark Stoops' name has been passed around over the last several months about being the next hot commodity in college or NFL coaching. Is Mark Stoops really ready to take that leap to the NFL or to a bigger school than UK, having just lost to Vanderbilt? I don't think so. And neither is his quarterback a Heisman candidate. He should not be invited to New York City. He is going to play at the next level, clearly. But Will Levis is a a solid quarterback that does not belong in the same conversation as C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So Kentucky, be happy with who you are, a competitive SEC school. That's now dropped all the way from top 10 to 50th in the latest college rankings. You were manhandled and beaten senseless by the Tennessee Volunteers. And since then, your season has just gotten worse. Mark, if you can take a tip from Mel Tucker up at Michigan State and sign whatever extension the University of Kentucky Athletic Director or President offers you. I would sign it before the ink could dry. That's a good school for you, and you're a good coach for them. So be happy and stay at UK, because come on, man, you don't belong anywhere else. Also in college, let's talk about the TCU Hornfrogs. Frogs. I was always a big Gary Patterson fan. I thought, much like Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, they were able to do more with less. Well, Sonny Dykes had a couple of good seasons at SMU after failing miserably at Cal. And he was hired to replace Patterson beginning this year at TCU. Now, don't get me wrong, I like Sonny Dykes. I like his attitude, his charisma, his energy and passion. But Sonny Dykes should never be saying the words, quote, bring it on, end quote. After beating Steve Sarkisian and Texas, And thinking that he's ready to stand on the same field with the Georgia Bulldogs, the Ohio State Buckeyes, or the Michigan Wolverines. Because if the TCU Horned Frogs got on the field with any one of those three teams today, it would be a two touchdown plus margin of victory for any of the three. You're not even in the same ballpark as the three teams above you. So be happy that you're number four. Be happy that you got a big victory in Texas as a seven to seven and a half point underdog. Congratulations. But you beat a Texas team that's overrated and a coach that, again, got the position because of his head coach, Nick Saban, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that issue as we move into our next couple of discussions. Hey, Sonny Dykes, come on, man. You don't belong in the discussion with Michigan, Ohio State, or Georgia. Good luck as TCU heads forward in their season and quest for a Big 12 championship. I'm going to move to my favorite franchise in the NFL that I love to pick on. I probably have picked on this franchise more uh, than all other franchises combined over the years of being involved in sports betting or commentary. And that is the former Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. You know, back uh, when Al Davis was the owner of the Raiders, I would watch Al Davis blow draft pick after draft pick after draft pick. And I thought, you know, at what point is this guy going to learn to stop taking gambles on draft picks because they're fast? You got a fast receiver, oh, that's going to translate to a great wide receiver in the NFL. Nope, it's not. Now his son, Mark Davis, is followed in father's footsteps by hiring bad coach after bad coach after bad coach. And, you know, unfortunately for Mark, he let the good one slip through his hands. After the John Gruden abysmal tenure abruptly ended due to his ridiculously racist and ignorant comments coming out and and coming to the forefront and becoming public knowledge, he promoted to his interim head coach, Rich Basaccia, who was a special teams coordinator. And Rich, picking up many broken pieces, did an incredible job last year taking the team from the, the bottom. I mean, they were bottom mentally, emotionally. They, were, they should have never made the playoffs. And somehow Rich guided Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and company to the playoffs. Yes, they lost in round one, but they were in the playoffs, and that was a remarkable accomplishment. And instead of promoting Rich to head coach, which clearly the players wanted, and clearly many within the works of the NFL believe that Rich deserved, it wasn't good enough for Mark. He wanted a sexy name. So Mark went up to the Northeast and hired, not for the first time, but the second time, for Josh McDaniels to be an abysmal failure. Josh McDaniels is yet another Bill Belichick disciple that is not a head coach in the NFL, period. Nor in the college ranks in big-time college programs, as proven by Charlie Weiss and his debacle at the University of Notre Dame. So let's talk a little bit about Josh McDaniels. He's a good offensive coordinator in a Bill Belichick system. Clearly that's where he belongs. Bill Belichick was not made by Tom Brady. Tom Brady was made by Bill Belichick. Just like Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, and Bill O'Brien were made to be great, offensive and defensive coordinators. But once each one of them stepped out from underneath the Bill Belichick tutelage, they failed miserably. So you would think that Mark Davis would just simply look at that tree and say, none of these guys were successful as head coaches. Not only did he not look at that tree, but he actually was able to see Josh McDaniels failing miserably at the Denver Broncos. He was able to see Josh McDaniels' record at Denver as the head coach. And he still let Rich leave to go to Green Bay as the special teams coordinator and hired Josh McDaniels. The Josh McDaniels' tenure in Las Vegas may come to an abrupt end sooner rather than later. It is clear that Devontae Items wished that he was still in Green Bay catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. Devontae, a couple of weeks ago, shoved a reporter and is now facing felony assault charges. Although I think that's a little out of line based upon the fact that that gentleman was not injured because he just fell on his rear end. But that's nonetheless, that gentleman has the right to uh, file a lawsuit or press charges or whatever he wishes. But now Devontae Adams just doesn't really want to speak about any of it. He's that disgruntled and frustrated with his head head coach within one half of a season Derek Carr who has been the face of the Oakland then Las Vegas Raiders as their franchise quarterback for years who's played under several head coaches all with losing records for the now Las Vegas Raiders he is to the point where he can't even speak in a microphone without crying like a toddler so within one half of one season Josh McDaniels was able to take Rich Bisaccia's playoff team that upgraded in talent, getting a top three receiver in Devontae Adams, and has managed to get to a 2-7 and seven record. Great job, Mark Davis. You hired another failing coach in Josh McDaniels for the Las Vegas Raiders Nation and the Las Vegas City and Community. If I were in Las Vegas or I were a diehard, passionate Raiders fan, I would be begging, pleading, and doing everything within my power to get the Davis family to finally sell the Las Vegas Raiders to somebody that knew what the hell they were doing. Come on, man. You don't deserve to be an NFL owner any longer. That'll segue into our last segment under the Come on, man, tagline. To the controversial pick of Jeff Saturday as the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Speaking of head coaches, Bill Cower, the former head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, took the opportunity yesterday on CBS Sports, i.e. the CBS football program pregame, to go on a five minute lace diatribe on why Jeff Saturday's hiring was a disgrace to the coaching profession. And in that segment, Bill Cower was maybe one of the biggest hypocrites I've ever heard. And here's why Bill Cower was a hypocrite you see, Bill Cower never had broadcasting experience, journalism experience, TV radio experience up to the point that he got the job at CBS Sports. And by the way, neither did three of his other colleagues on that show, Bill Sims, Boomer Esiason, Nate Burleson. Not one of the four of them had ever been in broadcasting, journalism, reporting, or anything related to that. Nor do any of the four of them have a degree from a university in that arena. The only person on that set that's qualified by their profession or their education is James Brown. James Brown is qualified. He's had that job for a long time and those seats around Bill Cower have rotated in and out over the years. So how Bill Cower can call Jeff Saturday's hiring a disgrace and not look around him and say, "How did we get these jobs because we were players or coaches? We were not broadcasters or journalists, is beyond me. Bill Cowher got the job because he was a successful coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I actually liked Bill Cowher as a coach. I loved his fiery attitude. I loved him getting into players and getting them on the bench and sticking that bottom chin out. He'd get hot over bad calls. I love that in a coach. That's old school. But Bill Cowher yesterday was out of line. You see jim ursay is the owner of the indianapolis colts and because of that he has the right to hire any coach that he chooses granted there are some rules that he needs to go through and he may or may not have i don't know what the exact rules are but he needs to be looking at minority candidates um and and if he satisfies those rules then he can hire anybody he could have hired me you see back in 2016 the united states of america we the people voted donald j trump into office as the president of the united states now i will tell you i'm not a donald trump fan so this is not about me being a trumpster i am not a trump fan i am not a clinton fan i am not a chuck schumer fan i'm not a mitch mcconnell fan as a matter of fact those lifelong politicians frankly make me sick I would never hire Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Schumer, or Nancy Pelosi to be the President of the United States. And they're lifelong politicians. For the exact same reason that I would never hire John Fox or Gus Bradley to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts had I been Jim Irsay. Why not call up Adam Gase to be your head coach in Indianapolis, Bill Cowher? Or perhaps Freddie Kitchens The Browns coach that didn't work out too well. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You know, why not call up Gus Malzahn? Right now, he's fishing on a a boat somewhere because Cam Newton made him a very wealthy man. You see, just because someone's been a head coach doesn't mean that they're going to be a successful head coach. Gus Bradley already had his shot in Jacksonville and he failed. John Fox had his shot in Denver and Carolina, and they failed. Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitchens, Gus Malzahn, Matt Patricia, the list goes on and on and on. The reason that Jim Ursay chose Jeff Saturday over the terminated Frank Reich was because Jeff Saturday is a man that gets respect in the locker room because he is a Super Bowl champion much like you get respect on CBS sports football Sunday, because you were a winning football coach at Pittsburgh. So please don't be a hypocrite and complain that Jeff Saturday, getting the head coaching job in Indianapolis was a disgrace because it's no different than you getting the job that you have today. And by the way, the last time I checked, Jeff Saturday is 1-0 in the NFL as a head coach. That's a 100% winning record, which is more than people could say for you, Bill. You see, sometimes it's not about experience. I've seen many people get positions in the professional workplace, unrelated to sports, because that title was on their resume. And it wasn't questioned whether they were successful or they were a failure. They just had been in that role before. I would rather have a Jeff Saturday with no experience, except playing on the field for 13 years in the trenches day in, day out, and being a Super Bowl champion, than I would have ever wanted to hire a Gus Bradley, a John Fox, a Hugh Jackson, or any of those names that you could fill in the blank with, because they've proven to be losers. So congratulations, Jeff Saturday. And hey, Bill Cower, stick to your job on CBS. You are not the Jesus of the NFL. This is Chris Nichols, CEO of Moneyliners, signing out from our first podcast on November 14, 2022. Let's win some picks this week. Good luck to everyone out there. Picks will be up momentarily for tonight's action as we watch the commanders go into Philadelphia and see if they can make Philadelphia lose their very first game of the season. Good night.